I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 412. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Hi there, we're on a countdown of the top five downloaded episodes of 2021 and coming in at number two is Truth Be Told by Matthew West. I'm excited to offer up this encore episode. The truths I learned through my study of scripture uh, during this episode were profound and I know that you will enjoy it even if it's for the second time and I'll catch you on the other side. Truth seems to be up for grabs these days. And if you ever wondered if truth is important to God, just check out one of his names. Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Matthew West sings about truth in his song, Truth Be Told. So let's use his song and this topic as a springboard to launch into the red letters of Holy Scripture and see what the truth has to say about it. Before we dive in, let's listen. The truth be told. Truth is rarely told. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it, there's no failure, no fault. In preparation for the podcast, I often seek out if there is a story behind the song. Sometimes artists will do interviews or write articles, and if I'm lucky, sometimes they tell me where in scripture they get their inspiration, and sometimes I actually use it, and sometimes I don't, to be honest, but often the song story is more about writing the writing session than maybe deep theological foundations for the lyrics, but I find them interesting, and if I can find them, then I try to put them in the show notes under additional resources. So if you don't make it a habit to check out the show notes, this might just give you a reason. This week, Matthew West had a story behind the song video on YouTube that I felt was really meaningful, and I encourage you to go ahead and listen to it on your own. I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 361. Now, he admitted that he has been known to, at times, be a, quote, professional Christian. And the way he defined that was the way that we can fake being fine, you know, pretending we're in right relationship with God and others, but it's really all a lie. Now he quotes Isaiah chapter 29, 13, where the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, uh, these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. 
Fun fact, Jesus quotes these words from Isaiah in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. So just how important is it to Jesus that our outside match our inside? Well, let's head over to Matthew chapter 23 to examine this. Now, there are two metaphors that Jesus uses to make his point that this whole clean and put together and fine on the outside business uh, while being a wreck on the inside is not okay. And he talks about a cup and then he talks about tombs. Let's focus in on the tombs uh, in verse 27. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Already, you can hear who the audience is that Jesus is speaking to. He says, scribes and Pharisees, but I don't want us to miss out on the lessons of this text just because we think he's not speaking to us because boy, is Christ speaking to us too. But let's go back. I mean, ouch, you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful as Matthew West sings about fine, you know, fine, we're fine. Uh, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. On the surface, this is a pretty vivid picture and one that we even we can interpret as not good, right? <laughs> but if we consider the historical context, in other words, what would this metaphor have meant to the original audience? We can really begin to see how serious Jesus is and how serious of an accusation this is to this audience. For example, the people of God are instructed in the law not to touch dead people. We read in Numbers chapter 19, verse 16, whoever in the open field touches someone who was killed with a sword or who died naturally or touches a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Now, Douglas Sean O'Donnell in his commentary on Matthew teaches this. He says, in the springtime before the Passover, it was the custom to whitewash the roadside tombstones so no pilgrim traveling to Jerusalem would mistakenly touch a tomb and therefore be rendered unclean for the seven days of the feast. Okay, I see that. All right, he goes on to say the scribes and Pharisees looked like these tombs. Outwardly, they looked so beautifully clean. But inwardly, they were unclean, dead, decaying, and putrid. And did you catch how Jesus himself interpreted his his metaphor? He said, So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Because a whitewashed tomb is still a tomb. It's still full of dead people, even though it looks clean It is absolutely unclean. And we really need to stop and consider the gravity of this. You know, I I love linking this song to this teaching of Christ in Scripture because we think somehow we're honorable to say we're fine when we're not. I think it's kind of almost cultural at this point. And also, I think I always interpreted this song along the lines of something like, when I'm struggling with thoughts of depression, I might say I'm fine when someone asks me how I'm doing because I'm not sure if they're a safe place or I'm not sure if they really care. And I know that happens. And I'm not saying that you should just spill the beans to every unsuspecting, polite person asking, how are you today? 
I'm not sure the greeter at Walmart is really trying to get to the bottom of how you're really feeling today. But I also say I'm fine when I'm struggling with thoughts of pride or unforgiveness because either I don't want people to know because of shame or sometimes because I don't want to get rid of it. And hypocrisy and lawlessness is how Jesus describes this. So does Jesus expect us to be perfect? No, indeed. Uh, But he does expect the people of God to reflect the ways of God. And when we don't, we are to confess our sins. We're to bring it into the light. We are to let the truth be told. So while I'm saying Jesus doesn't expect us to be perfect, uh, that doesn't mean, because he knows that we're sinners, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to strive toward the perfection that his salvation leads us to. We are to bring it into the light. We are to let the truth be told. Now, I'm not going to get into how to do that in a way where you can have that emotional safety that you need, because some people are not a safe place for your truth to be told. I get that. But to never bring it into the light and correction of Christ and of truth is to let you rot from the inside out. Now, these verses, however, are in the midst of a pretty large section of Scripture. So let's take a minute to zoom out a bit, and we want to always read in context. That is my favorite go-to Bible interaction tool exercise. I call these exercises bites for short, but reading in context often changes everything. Now, my rule of thumb is to at least read the chapter before, the chapter where my feature section is, and the chapter afterward. So in this case, it would be Matthew chapter 22 through 24. At the very minimum, y'all, at least read the entire chapter where your focus text is in. Uh, but again, that's just a rule of thumb because when I back up to the beginning of the chapter, which again should be your minimum goal, the first words are, then Jesus said which implies to me that he was continuing a conversation or a teaching from earlier. And he was. In fact, this time I had to back up to Matthew chapter 21 to get the complete context of what was going on in this account of Jesus's life and teaching. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 21, I see Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is that riding a donkey and everyone shouting Hosanna scene. And then comes the scene where Jesus cleanses the temple by flipping tables and making a big scene. That night, he spends the night in Bethany and then heads back into town the next morning, curses a fig tree on the way, and heads straight to the temple. Now, if you don't know the stories that I'm talking about, if you are unfamiliar with anything I just said, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to go and read it for yourself. Um, And even if you are familiar, reading in context will freshen your memory and will give you perspective on what is happening next in our focus text. So at this point in the account, the religious leaders from every corner begin challenging Jesus. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees try to trick him with questions, and they challenge his authority. Uh, But Jesus knows that these are his last days on earth. And so this time, he doesn't disappear into the crowd, which if you've read in the Gospels, you'll see that. He'll like start a controversy and then whoop, he's gone. But this time, he doesn't disappear into the crowd. He actually starts telling stories parables that the religious leaders realize are about them and they don't paint them in a favorable light if you know what I'm saying but the religious leaders didn't give up they gathered their resolve they keep asking questions they keep trying to trip him up but his answers are so profound that the religious elite were silenced and then Jesus turns to the crowds 
and his disciples in Matthew chapter 23. So this is the context. This is all what's been going on leading up to the beginning of Matthew chapter 23, our focus chapter. And when you take a step way back, we see we're just a few days away from going from Hosanna and the highest to crucify him. But when you take a look from the bird's eye view of this chapter, you see at the beginning that Jesus is speaking to the crowds and his disciples. And then at some point he turns and begins to address the scribes and Pharisees directly. Let's take it from the beginning and see just a few things at the beginning that he says directly to the crowds and his disciples. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you. But not the works they do, for they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who's in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So that's uh, through verse 11. Now, my question back to you is, can you summarize this section in your own words? And that's another bite, by the way. Writing out scripture in your own words helps you in a few ways. First of all, when you write things down, it forces your brain to process the information in a more detailed way, which helps then successfully load that information into your memory. And then if you summarize it, That helps you find main points and key details. So you're finding main points and key details and you're writing them down, which helps load all of that into your memory. So if you're studying sections like this, to be able to stop and write a summary statement, or I think that's why I like lists because lists are easier for me. But when I see, read this section, I see this. I see do what they say and not what they do. They want to see be seen and honored by others. They love fancy titles that make them feel important. They missed it, though, because whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Do this. Don't do this. And here's why. All right. So that was my summary. Again, look, I'm not rewriting scripture. I'm not adding. I'm not adding anything to scripture. I'm summarizing it in my own words. This is just um, an exercise, an interaction tool exercise. And there's no right or wrong. I'm not going to come into your house, into your living room with my red pen. Okay. And neither is Jesus. We're just trying to process what we're reading and interact with the text. All right, so Jesus starts out by speaking to the crowds and to his disciples about the scribes and Pharisees. And then he turns and speaks to the scribes and Pharisees in front of the crowds and his disciples, okay? Can you picture the scene? Now, that's another bite, by the way. Remember, the people we're reading about were real. This was a real scene. This is not an op-ed to the letter to the ed- or a letter to the editor. This is Jesus standing in the temple, healing, teaching, and correcting. Now, don't forget to ask questions of the text as you go. That's another bite. Jesus said the reason the crowds and his disciples were to do what these scribes and Pharisees say and and not do what they do is because they sat in the seat of Moses. 
What in the world does that mean? And so that might be a question that you ask of the text. Well, it, I'm going to tell I'm going to give you the answer today, but it means that they when they actually teach the word of God, they're sitting in the same chair Moses did. They are teaching the law. They are sharing the very words of God with the people just like Moses did. So of course their words words should be listened to and obeyed. They are God's words. God's words stand true even when the person speaking them is pure hypocrite. But now Jesus is turning to the scribes and Pharisees and declaring woe over them. Seven times Jesus says, woe, W-O-E. And what does woe mean? Well, it's an exclamation of grief. Hosea 7.13, it gives a pretty good summary of what Jesus might be saying here in these seven woes aimed at these religious people. He says, woe, this is in Hosea, woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. Woe! A declaration of woe from Jesus, and declared seven times, by the way, is significant. How should we be reading this section? Well, A.T. Robertson calls this sustained denunciation of the scribes and Pharisees. He calls it the rolling thunder of Christ's wrath. Alfred Plummer spoke of these seven woes as being like thunder in their unanswerable severity and like lightning in their unsparing exposure. They illuminate while they strike. Are you reading the text like this? I want you to keep the visual and the audio sounds, the visual of thunder and lightning in mind as you study these woes for yourself. Before we wrap up, I want to swing back around to the woe that we already explored. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Our commentary reminds us a hypocrite is someone who puts on a false face a mask, and pretends to be what he or she is not. In Matthew's theology, this hypocrisy especially plays its way out in someone who wants the applause of the crowd more than the approval of God. But make no mistake, I don't think Jesus is going to give us a pass on what he distinctly declares as worthy of woe and judgment just because we're not a scribe or a Pharisee. God wants the truth to be told. What does this truth mean for you? I can't answer this for you. Perhaps you've been hiding a sin that God wants to bring out into the light. Perhaps you've been excusing a sin that God has shown a spotlight on through this text. Perhaps you struggle with desiring the applause of the crowd more than the approval of God. If you're a follower of Christ, I implore you, sit in silence with the scripture in mind and the spirit within you to remove the mask of hypocrisy and allow the truth to be told. Remember, light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So what's next? We'll read Matthew chapters 21 through 25. Get the whole context in to understand the complete context of Jesus's teaching. Focus in on Matthew chapter 23. Really study it. I've, I've gone ahead and included resources that I used in those show notes over at michellekneesat.com forward slash 361. Identify and write down summaries of the seven woes. We didn't get to the, all that today. So that's a, kind of a homework piece. Hear the rolling thunder of Christ's wrath and take his rebuke seriously. Pray and ask the Lord to reveal any hypocrisy in your life. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that Encore episode and want to talk more about it. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle Nizad or on Facebook. Michelle L. Nizad is my public page. Or just email me, Michelle at MichelleNizad.com. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. Now, the new year is a perfect time to focus your mind on godly things and my 30-day music challenge. I really think it'll help on that journey. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. So you can just submit your name and email address to michellenizat.com forward slash 30 day challenge and you're in. And I've been revamping my website and resources during the month of January while we've been enjoying the top five Encore episodes. And I've made it easier to sign up for email updates, to get a copy of my top five bites, and to gain access to an archive of worksheets that complement various podcast episodes. Head over to michellenizat.com to take advantage of all these value-added changes. And then with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Tommy from North Dakota, Verma from Texas, and Michelle from Hawaii. Welcome. Now, if you haven't had a chance to leave a review for the podcast yet, I would really appreciate it. Just go over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song, and the links are all there. And of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be wrapping up our countdown of the top downloaded episodes in 2021. Tune in to see which episode came in number one. Now, if you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 412. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.